You've got Opposing the Matrix here. It is the 1st of June in the year 2020. It's approximately 6.36 on the West Coast. Uh, it be 9.36 in Jim's time and 8.36 in Eric's time. Am I right about that, gentlemen? Oh, good. I did the math right for a change. So we have uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, folks. we got this all this rioting. Now it's even a riot. It's sedition anymore. Um going on and you know right off the bat i gotta say that i feel sorry i actually feel sorry for black lives matter uh because you have antifa coming in and and creating all this this mayhem and then and then the black protesters most of them peaceful are being blamed for it uh, there was a, a i don't know if you saw it guys on um i think it was on i saw it on twitter but i think it was on facebook too there was a a black gal and she uh was following these people around and there were two white people kind of tall and thin you know your typical antifa um starving looking individuals and um they were they were tagging the side of a building uh with black lives matter and she says wait a minute you're not one of us you can't do that well we're here doing it to help you out she goes we don't need any of your help uh go away and and they just basically were kind of giving her the uh the I'm white and you're black. Let me lecture you why I'm helping you speech. And uh, she goes, I still telling you again, we don't need your help. Get out of here. But they didn't listen to her. But um, anyway, it's uh, I don't know. It's a big mismatch mis- of craziness. Uh, <clears throat> we were going to have Brian here tonight, guys. But uh, Brian lives in uh, I think it's Redondo Beach down in California, you know, which is part of Orange County, which is probably the only little white dot or should I say red dot that you'd see in a sea of blue down in that area. He said that uh, they were expecting Antifa to come in today and tonight. Um, I told him to watch out for a pallet full of bricks in front of his building, because uh, that seems to be what they're doing. Soros is uh, is delivering weapons for them to use. Um, so, I, you know, he said that, uh, you know, he, he, we got to keep him in prayer and, uh, uh, you know, he said that, you know, if they think they're going to come to Orange County and, and do that kind of stuff, there's Orange County is the only uh, Republican county or conservative county down in that area. And he, he said there's lots of guns down here. That's all he said. And uh, so anyway, uh, we'll see what pans out down there. But uh, he, he may come on, but I really don't expect him to be here. So um, anyway, uh I guess uh, we can proceed. So uh, the, the theme of the show tonight is going to be talking about what's going on, why it's going on, who's doing it, and uh, where it might go. I think that's the most important thing right now. Um, I know that today that Trump uh, declared Antifa a terrorist organization, which is a good, good. thing. Uh, yes. I just I was just reading a post by Chuck Schumer on Twitter, um, and he was complaining about uh, President Trump. Oh, it's always President Trump, you know. Uh, directing people to fire tear gas into peaceful citizens. And I'm like, yeah, come on, get off of it. They're not peaceful. And if you're siding with Antifa, pal, you have just made yourself a treasonous person because you Antifa is a terrorist organization. It's uh, 
It's dedicated to destroying the United States, as is George Soros. And if that's the case and you're siding with them, then it's not only sedition. Now it's treason. So and I said, see ya, see ya when you're uh, at a um, military tribunal. (laughs) But that's not going to do any good because, you know, me and you are peons compared to these elitists. And um, but, you know, it's uh, it's something that's going to happen hopefully soon. So, gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, you know, I've been getting a lot of uh, from, you know, from some of my readers, I've been getting a lot of email and uh, Facebook uh, IMs asking me, uh, or they're sending me these different people that are having visions or dreams. Some of them are, you know, quite a few years back. One of them, Jeremiah Johnson, very reliable, um, you know, individual. And uh, he's had some prophecies in the past have been, you know, pretty pretty accurate and they're emphasizing they see the a lot of the doom and gloom part and so she wanted you know she's heard what i've said about mark taylor and kim clements and dave wilkerson's prophecy so she wanted she's kind of asking well so who's right and who's wrong i mean you know what how does this fit i said well no actually both are right you know i said there's good what we're going to have is a pendulum effect it's going to it go one to one extreme and then to the other extreme and the scriptures back that up in the, in the sense that where it says that um, that it will be given to us to make war with the beast in the Antichrist system, not necessarily an individual at that time, but just the system itself. We will make war with the beast and we will overcome the beast. But then the beast and later on, this is like in the first part of the tribulation, the second part of the tribulation, and all of a sudden it shifts and it says, and now it is given unto the beast to make war with the saints, and the uh, and he overcame them. Then it says, but they overcame him, meaning the saints overcome the beast by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and loved not their lives even unto death. This will yep. fall into the scripture. He that seeks to save his life will lose it. He that will lose his life for my sake shall be saved. So it's there's so much being said in all of that. It's mental attitude. Where is your heart? What is it focused on? Is it focused on this world? So you're trying to preserve all the things of this world, which you're told in the last days is all going to fall apart. It's nothing. It's Pinocchio world. It's not even real. So why are you hanging and clinging on to things? My God, I had a friend. I won't mention names. He stayed in one of the worst hurricanes in Florida. Remember, um, I think back a couple of years ago when CERN was fired up and things were getting all hinky and weird. We had three hurricanes, one right after another. You know how that was kind of an indication of an earth axis shift. He stayed because he didn't want to lose. He had three, three or four classic Harleys and he didn't want to let them go or get them damaged. So he stayed in an underground bunker type garage thing that he had set up and stayed there to make sure they were going to be safe instead of leaving and getting to a place of safety. God protected him anyway, but God forbid. This is just, you know, there's got to be some readjustments, reevaluations. And I think this whole corona being locked up and, you know, he and his wife has given him an opportunity to reevaluate some of his maybe not so wise uh, decisions. But, I mean, it's just an indication that we all need to be checking out what's motivating us, where is our heart at, and what are we really, you know, focusing on. But the thing is, we're not going to, 
you know, I, I've said this before, and guys, I think, you know, you've you've been in the same situations many times, including the, the bigger well-known names, uh, Dave Wilkerson, Kim Clement, um, Mark Taylor. We get, and even all of you out there, some of you have some very important things that need to be shared, and I hope you start joining our, I hope we get the technology right so we can start including you into some comments and dreams and visions of your own, maybe even having us have you on the show to, to share that with us. Because somebody has some very important things. The internet is like a two-edged sword. You can get some, anybody and everybody to come in and, and make a video. It doesn't mean anything, but it does enable an opportunity for the everyday person to have something to say that otherwise maybe wouldn't have, have anything to say. But there are a lot of people that have coming up recently with, things of the doom and gloom. And so people are asking me, Jim, who's right, who's wrong? Well, you're both right, but you got to understand we're going to see the pendulum swing. And right now, maybe before we see the prosperity, the manifestation of the sons of God, um, the the things of the wicked giving been given to us, maybe before this happens, maybe this part has to happen. I mean, I didn't see it. I don't think any any of us necessarily saw it. A lot of times we'll get snapshot pictures of events. We know these events are going to happen. We don't know when they're going to happen, and we don't know how they're going to interplay with other things that will happen. And all we have as an anchor is the Word of God. Amos 3, 7 gives us how we can understand God's plan, which is to go to his prophets. So that's what we have to default on. And then we have to bring it back to book, chapter, text, and verse of the scriptures and tell, let the scriptures guide us, let the Holy Spirit guide us in a day-to-day relationship. But, guys, this is where Peter mentioned, you know, David Wilkins said he was, the world was going to turn upside down. Um, was Mark Taylor said there would be a reset. And Peter warned that there would be a great shaking up. And the things that were not of God would be revealed for what they were, man-made doctrine, and the things that would remain would be sound doctrine. Well, we're in that time right now, and this is part of the shaking up. And so we're not going to get total clear answers. So if somebody sat here and just spouted off, well, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, I, you know, okay, maybe, all right, but I, uh, this is done on purpose. God is doing this on purpose, not playing some head games with us. He's trying to get us to get more intimate with him, to more rely more on him. We're not going to know all the details. Our focus has to be on a day-to-day relationship with Jesus. There's no other way. So that means we're going to have to have patience and have to wait it out and see it out. And if we're following religion, and that's what it comes down to, religion or relationship. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, it's a day-by-day thing. He doesn't want you to be dependent on assumed uh, events that are going to happen, and you're going to know it when, where, why, and how. That's not going to happen. Our dependency has to be on him. We can see more and more of these things coming down. We know it's, we're at the end of the end times, but um, our reliance still has to be on him, not on other events, other things, whether they be true or not. In most of the cases, they are true, but we have to have patience and wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's the only way we get the peace, too. So when you're all when you're not peaceful and you're getting all up, you know, set or angry or fearful, uh, you got to check, you know, check back with the Lord and find out where did you stray away from having his peace of pastoral understanding. So, I, you know, I, I think that's the dilemma all of us are faced with. I mean, and all of us are having personal situations happening. 
um, upheavals or things that I would say appear to be upheavals, but God always makes a way out for us. You, I mean, I've talked to Eric and, and Dave, both of you, man, we, <laughs> geez, like a roller coaster ride, man. One day everything's great. Next day, the whole bottom, you know what I mean? Yeah, you right. do. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's the enemy's throwing everything at us. Well, I'll tell you, I, I am. I am fed up to the top of my head with hearing how everything is Trump's fault. I, oh my um, God! I know. that? You know, if you if you talk about Trump or anything conservative at work, you're told we're not supposed to talk about re- religion and politics. But the same people that tell you that will sit there and spout off about how bad Trump is and everything else. And for some reason, that's okay. And if you bring it to a supervisor, you know, you're just told to deal with it. And uh, so anyway, um, it was um, and, you, and well, let me back up a second. And you got to really watch out because there's there's people that will will kind of side with you in order to to get your opinion. And then the minute that you give it, they turn it around and, you know, yep, they're baiting well, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, you got one fellow that uh, at work that uh, every once in a while, you know, hey, I think Trump's doing a good job. I think that he, you know, I'm, I agree with him on this. I, you know, I agree with him on that. And then all of a sudden, when you think that, you know, you can take him into your confidence, uh, all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, well, what was it the other day? Oh, with the riots, you know, it's like, uh, I think this is Trump is to blame for this because he hasn't said anything. Well, first of all, you're wrong. And because you haven't listened to the the right uh, the right news sources, you don't know that he said stuff. He said lots of things about it. He's He said that he was sympathetic towards the guy that got killed and his family, sympathetic towards the black community, that he wants the guy, everything justice to happen in this thing in a whole nine yards. He's pleaded with people to be calm. So, yes, he has. But um, so anyway, when he said that, it's you know, I just got totally disgusted. You know, I just uh, I decided. You know, I'm not I'm not even going to say anything when they start talking about this stuff. I'm leaving a room because I'm I'm totally fed up with it. You know, it's the, the liberal mind is is very difficult to understand. It, I think it's easier to understand um, so psychiatric patients that are totally off their their nut. You know, didn't mean to offend anybody by saying it that way. But the only way I think I can think of right at the time, but. It's easier to defend, to understand somebody that's totally psychotic. That's better, and uh, and to try to understand what they're saying than it is to try to to put together something that uh, that uh, that uh, liberals are saying, or I should say leftists, because there are some liberals that make sense. But um, and it's it's getting to the point where you know we we've been in a cold civil war for quite a few years now. Well, at least the last four. And if you want to account uh, Obama's administration, let's say uh, 16 years. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, but it's it's starting to turn hot, and it's 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 got to. It's just got to. And um, and I think that what's going on with uh, the uh, with, what's going on with uh, Trump uh, pronouncing this this group as a terrorist organization today is is going to go a long way to to bringing things back into order. But uh, I tell you, the guy, the guy can't, uh, he can't do anything without somebody blaming. You know, it's, it's getting to the point where if a person comes in to work and they, had, they didn't sleep the night before, it was Trump's fault. You know, oh, I've got a pimple on my nose. It's Trump's fault, you know, and everything else. And it, it's getting to, the, the, to be ridiculous. Now, 
Uh, we, I was telling you about Brian, and uh, what he said was interesting because he said that when the, when they were um, when Atifa was uh, doing their thing up in Los Angeles, um, what happened was there there was an area there's an area of Los Angeles where the uh, where the movie star shop at all the rich people go to stores there, very ritzy stores and everything. Uh, when Antifa went to to into those areas to um, to try to do mayhem, uh, I don't know if somebody spoke to them or what, but they just left, and and that makes total sense. And it just shows you that this thing is an orchestration, um, and that uh, you know I, I I lay it squarely on George Soros, and I think I'd be totally correct in doing so. Um, who's funding these things? Uh, I told Brian, I says, if a pallet of bricks shows up in front of your house, you guys need to get rid of the bricks or, or something like that because, uh, you know, your neighborhood's slated to be, be looted and, uh, and destroyed. So uh, hopefully now that the uh, the National Guard's being called out in many areas, um, things will be okay. But, you know, just like up in Minneapolis, oh, Trump didn't act fast enough. Well, I was listening to his press secretary today. And she said, you don't understand. She says, that is a state thing to take care of. And if it's a city, it's a city thing to take care of. The That's what we've been saying all along. Yeah, right. the federal government cannot go in there on its own and, and administer justice. Um, however, I think that's going to change because they're, if there's a terrorist organization, then, uh, then uh, you know, it's, it's open warfare and we can go in wherever we want to. But um, it, it's, it's teetering on ridiculous well it is ridiculous it's teetering on any word that's worse than ridiculous um all the all these things that are going on and i'm just hoping that hopefully um uh, i and i think it's true that a lot of um a lot of uh, liberals and maybe you could even say leftists are starting to see that things aren't quite right with their party or their 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 um their philosophy and there's an old saying that um you, you know the definition of a conservative is a liberal that's been mugged you know, and, and when when these things start happening to liberals, you know, they're they're not just happening to rich neighborhoods, uh, rich uh, conservative neighborhoods or whatever. But when they start happening to the rich liberals and they start happening to the everyday liberal, um, things are going to change because they're going to say, hey, we're not immune from this. You know, these people are out to kill us, too. They're out to harm us. They're out to burn up our houses and our cars. Um, I don't know if I said it earlier, but. Um, there was a thing online about the mayor or the police chief in uh, Richmond, Virginia, was actually having a um, a uh, what do you call it, a press conference, and he broke down crying in a press conference because Antifa. What they did is they set the multifamily house on fire, and some children burnt up in it, and Antifa wouldn't let the fire department get in there and put it out. And this is this is the kind of people we're dealing with. We're not dealing with your your average criminal. We're dealing with Bolsheviks. We're dealing with the same kind of people that took over Russia and murdered tens of millions of people on a whim just because they, they felt like it, you know. And uh, th- this is a an- anarchist organization. It's a uh, – what's that word? Um, I, I don't want to throw the libertarians under the bus, but, you know, there's – you got to have some kind of rule of law. And when there's no rule of law, there's anarchy and um, – you know, there, yeah, the, the anarchists are nothing more than the, uh, the conservative extreme opposite of Antifa. They're the same. They're just different spectrums. Right, right. And I, I hate to say it, my oldest son is an anarchist. Well, he's going to have to to owe up for what he believes one of these days. Because, my, uh, my only hope and faith is that, that the Bible says, train up a child in, in the way he shall go, and when he's old, he will not depart. That's my hope and my promise. I've trained him yeah. better than that. 
He should know better than that. And he'll snap out of it. I just really believe he will. And anybody out there in the listening audience, if you find yourself in the same kind of situation, just remember how you raised them and trained them and use that as a confidence. God, you know, he's never going to leave them or forsake them. They're going to get it right. This reset, this world turning upside down, inside out, um, the reset, uh, it's God's grace and mercy on his children. He's going to get us all on the same page. Some of us are hard learners. We want to be donkeys. We want to learn like Balaam's donkey. And and uh, you want to be a donkey? Well, then you're going to learn the hard way. But at least you'll learn and you'll snap out of it and we'll all be on the same page. Yeah. Um, and that's my hope for the future and all of this garbage. Well, you know, we all went through that stuff. You know, I to say <clears throat> that I didn't, I'd be a liar. You know, my my parents brought me up in a fairly good way. You know, they taught me right from wrong, left from right, up from down. You know, and, and things like that. And I, yeah, I rebelled, and I rebelled because that's what everybody in my generation was doing at the time. But it's happened in every generation. And, yep. But the, the big difference is, and and I think it's just going to take longer for some people nowadays. But um, you know, we we got to a point where we realized, hey, we didn't quite admit it to them right away, but we you know we realized that our parents are right about things. That you know, hey, you don't do this. If your friends go to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, you don't do it because they're fools and you're not. Um, you know, you, yeah, okay, experiment with drugs, but don't, you know, sooner or later you're going to realize that you're a fool. And, and the Lord was really gracious with me to show me how foolish that was and uh, some kind of things that happened that just uh, scared the living daylights out of me, basically. But um and I realized my parents are right, that the scripture is right, that God was right, and that I was in rebellion. And, yeah, your son will come around. I have no doubt about it because he was brought up right. It's just that when we when we were younger, there were more righteous people. It was, you know what I mean. There were more people that respected righteousness. Maybe that's a, way, a good way. Right, to right. Yeah. Then, then there were people that, that disrespected righteousness. Now it's the other way around. So it's going to take a lot more, and it's going to, you know, it might take longer. But you know, the ones that were brought up righteous will eventually come back around. But um, they've had a lot of they've got a lot of things working against them. But you know, the Lord's faithful and true to to bring about what His will is, and and that scripture that you know that we've been quoting about kids, you know, bring them up in the way they should go. When they get older, they will not depart from it. Um, that's a promise, and I take, and I know you guys do take uh, God's promises. Very, um, very seriously, because he doesn't fool around. He means what he says, and he says what he means. And uh, so that's where we have to turn them over to to the Lord and just say, "Hey, Lord, I can't do anything. So he's all yours." You know, I know you've done that, and that's, <laughs> you know, basically what you got to do. So um, anyway, I don't know about these miscreants that are out in the street, though. I don't think that they were ever brought up right. Most of them were children of hippies. And uh, there are some good hippies out there, but uh, a lot of them, uh, you know, are pagans or they're into uh, Wicca or other things. And when you're into stuff like that, and you raise children up. But but then you got to remember that uh, that uh, God calls people, uh, you know, um, and that he's, there are people that he's called from the foundation of the earth from for, before the foundation of the earth. Excuse me. And uh, that if you're called, you're going to come. And. Uh, you know, what did Jesus say? He said, no one comes to the Father. No one comes to me unless the Father draws him. And uh, so uh, we just got to hope and pray that uh, that some of these miscreants that are out there doing this stuff have been called and they're just a little mixed up and sooner or later they'll see the light. 
But I was I was talking with a lady at work who's who's African American, and um, I was telling her about how disgusted I am about what happened to that fellow, and how that cop killed him basically. And I began to wonder if that guy was really a cop or if he was a plant. That's another story, I guess. But um, anyway, no, he had a history of uh, being a loose cannon. Yeah, well, he's gonna. He's yeah, gonna, he had like. Eight, he had like 18 write-ups uh, before, 18, I think. And he was so, still working. Huh? And, that, well, yeah, and, I, that you know, was part and of the problem. And the darn thing is you get one person like that in a high-profile situation where he you know, messes up big time like this, and everybody else is blamed and victimized as being equal to him. He was a nut, one nutcase out of how many? Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> that's what the press puts an emphasis on. Right. And of course, you know they use it as a—it's a weapon. It's what sources you don't—you know—you don't misuse an opportunity like this. So that's what they're doing, taking advantage of the opportunity. And they put on such a spin that they—they they, the way they present it, they'll make sure that the uh, blacks are going to be filled with righteous indignation. But then they put a spin on it so that how they you know burn up their own neighborhoods and everything, so that the whites will put get uh, a righteous indignation against them. It's and you're blaming a few agitators for what. It's just, oh man, you can't. We just can't get baited into this crap. If we're yeah. representing the kingdom of God, we stay out of the left and right politics. We have to study it because it's going to affect our lives. But it doesn't mean we got to personally get involved. Jesus didn't say, you know, go and, and uh, protest to the Romans. He said he told slaves to basically, you know, honor and win them over with love, mm-hmm. and it worked. Yeah, it, it it worked that way. It didn't work any other way. He didn't tell him to go protest. So yeah, we got to do what Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's the whole thing you're you're saying is unity, and that's right. You know, it's um, there there was a gal that was posting on on Facebook, and uh, she was talking about um, uh, you know how when a when a cop kills a black man that it's it's atrocity. Or a crime, I think she said. Anyway, so I said, you know, actually, when a cop kills anybody, it's an atrocity. You know, no matter what their race is, it's an abomination. Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting. The the day after that uh, Floyd guy was killed, uh, there was actually a killing in North Dakota of a police officer. mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously the um, racial component of it was reversed. In this, right. in this situation, uh, there was actually a black individual that actually killed a white cop. Uh-huh. But yet, you know, even in that, you know, you don't see people, you know, overreacting and, you know, being aggressive and causing all kinds of issues. You know what I mean? Well, sure. Yeah, because it would, you know, it would be real easy for, for whites to get out in the street and protest sure. that. Sure. You yeah. Know? Um, it's probably not going to happen. You know, I think the thing I'd like to stress is, you know, like in that instance, is you know, so you have you have a black individual that kills a white cop. Now, was it necessarily racially motivated? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes someone, so, it could have been no, sometimes crime so, going down and had right. Was, yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. and but no crime one is, ever right. Crime is crime. crime. Is crime. I mean, yeah. yeah. It, right. You're. Why, why is it always assumed because 
it's the well, other person is a different color that it must be motivated by that Eric, you know Eric, it's the same way that you know that everybody's saying oh my gosh all blacks and and non-whites are dying from the coronavirus more than whites are all right no, they aren't will you just do some simple stupid just uh you know uh demographics for pete's sakes yeah, I, I did this to one person, uh, you know, and and uh, they never got back with me. But it's like, you know, it's not rocket science, really. All you got to do is find out where the people that had died, uh, you know, where the whites that have died, where did they come from and how did, uh, you know, how did they die and where did they die in? You'll find out that these people died disproportionately in the same environment that all the blacks and the, the Hispanics had died from. Why? Because it's demographics. It's where they live. It's how they, uh, the culture, the uh, the environment. That's what's killing the people, not because they're black or, or brown, because the whites are dying in the same place, the same time with them. And it's a disproportionate of whites. They're not dying out in the, the um, rich neighborhoods. They're dying because they came from the inner city. They came from the hood. Yeah. That's all they got to do to check it out, and they'll find out that it's true. I know I did, and, and, and it's like, oh, wow, okay, that makes sense. But you know what? I didn't have to. I came from the hood, so I know. I know I lived it. You know, I know what the culture's like. I know how it's, it is, and it's like that's the connection. But they want to play this out and make it racial. They want, right. you know, that's the race baiting, part of it. Yep. Well, you know, it's it would be unfair to, not to mention that, you know, that the blacks have been on the, the – uh, the sad side of the stick, so to speak, you know, for many, many years. And, uh, and I, and I totally agree that with them that, you know, that the, the, um, the, I'm trying to see something was tilted and, and against them, uh, or the, the dice rolled against them, the bad cards were dealt to them or whatever, you know? Um, and so they, you know, there is a legitimate gripe, but at the same time, you know, you can't, we were all supposed to be working together to make it better, you know, uh, blacks, whites, Hispanics. We're all supposed to be working together. And I'll tell you what, man and his own effort is not going to do it. Um, the only way, the only thing that's going to heal the division between the races in this country is Jesus. I'm sorry. That's the only way it's going to happen. Man. I'm not sorry, but, you know, I'm just saying that. If, if you're trying another way, it's not going to work. We're not going to do it on our own. <laughs> right. Really. Right. Right. Now, I'm, I'm going to repeat a story I've told before on here, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, when I was a kid back in the 70s, you know, I was in high school and in, in, uh, down in California, and, and uh, I had a lot of black friends. You know, I, I took a lot of classes, ethnic classes and stuff like that, simply because I was interested and I wanted to know more. Um, so I made a lot of friends in those classes. Well, that right about then was when all the Malcolm X stuff was starting to get very popular. And and uh, the Black Panther movement was getting pretty powerful back in about 74, 75. And um, and so a lot of the a lot of the black students fell into the um, the black power thing. And I lost a lot of friends simply because I was white. Well, I decided, well, you know, I was I, was, I got to admit I was a little bitter about it. But I decided, you know what? Life goes on. I'm just going to move on. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, there were fights and everything, you know, black and white, black on white, white on black and and things like that. And uh, so we all went through high school and graduated. And and there was this one guy named Larry and uh, Larry was a black guy. He was a good friend of mine before all that stuff happened. And he went he fell for the the black power thing, too. And um, so anyway, we uh, you know, life went on. I got saved, you know, 20 years old and. Probably about three or four years later, I was at a gas station and I saw Larry there and I went, oh, no, 
you know, I hope this doesn't turn out bad, you know, and, and he was kind of staring at me and I was staring at him. And so finally I said, Larry, and he goes, Dave. And I said, yeah. And I walked over to him, not expect, not knowing what to expect, you know, cause I was a little leery. And, uh, so we started talking I said, Larry, lots of things have changed. You know, I said, I, I, I accepted Jesus into my heart. I'm born again. And he smiled and he goes, me too. You know, and we had the best talk after that. And all that stress, all that apprehension just faded away. It was like it never, ever existed. You know, and that's what can happen to Jesus. That's what happens when Jesus is in the heart of two people or groups of people or whatever um, that once didn't have favor towards one another. But when you when you become into Jesus, you're not black anymore. You're not white anymore. You're not, the family of God. man. Yeah, you're not right. Italian. Amen. You're not you're not. Arab, you're not, you know, or anything. You're you're a brother or sister in Jesus, and that's all that matters. You're, you're part of that family, like you said, and um, and all that stuff. Uh, what, is, what does it say? Behold, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old old things are gone, done away with. All things are new, mm-hmm. and and that's we we inherit his DNA, so to speak, and we become his, and we're no longer part of what we were before. And man, I'm telling you. What a freedom if people would just get that, if they would just understand that, you know, that um, somebody had posted down, in, I think it was in Southern California. Might, no, I think it was down south somewhere, actually, in the southern states. And um, they, they said, Jesus, uh, about Black Lives Matter, they said, Jesus settled the, the, the question 2,000 years ago. He died once and for all, you know, no, no group is any special than any other group. And the only people that are special are God's god's people because they're special to god and boy you can't get any more special than that so go ahead no i wasn't going to say anything oh okay no, no, I was sorry. <laughs> no. yeah i remember you telling that story uh several times dave so i yeah, always I'd appreciate like that national so. radio and tell it or something you know yeah it's a it's a great story it's a wonderful yeah, story it's one of those things that needs to be repeated all the time. You know, it's like with me, with Amos 3.7. I keep saying it every broadcast, and I will continue to do it until it's stuck in so many people's heads they're going to actually go ahead and look it up. Or, um, You know what I mean? It's just it's something It's important. It's vital. Sure. We really need to know that um, to understand God's plan. He's got a plan. He's in total control. He's never out of control. And when we're studying all these things, we're studying the effects of losers. I don't care how elaborate their plans are, how smooth they are talking, how, how, um, gosh, like right now it looks like just the bottom's ready to, you know, fall out and what's going on. You know, all of this, you know, when you, I've heard you talk about Mark Taylor and all this time of prosperity and I don't see that happening right now. Look what happened. I mean, it's my gosh, you know, we're killing each other. Uh, it's the apocalypse. It's the last days. It's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be easy. And there's no book on the corner bookstore that says uh, apocalypse for dummies. This is how you do it. We've never been through this before. The world's never been through this before. It's all new. We got little bits and pieces. God has designed this on purpose so that he puts all the little bits and pieces of understanding of visions, dreams and everything. But he doesn't give one group more than the other he gives all of it scattered to all of his body so that means whether you're a uh, a calvinist or an arminius whether you're a a, a pentecostal oneness whether you're a trinity trinitarian i mean all these isms and schisms that have divided us god has sprinkled throughout all of us to make us 
come together so that when we come together, we consider one another instead of attacking one another and get into real unity. Then we get the whole puzzle. Everybody's got a piece of the puzzle. You put it all together and now you got the picture. God, God wants unity in his body. The devil has spent a couple of thousand years tearing us apart right from the beginning on isms and schisms. How do we get across that? Because he's doing it on purpose and a plan to bring his body united together. So when I see people wanting to do, you know, beat each other, other fellow Christians up and call them wolves and sheep's clothing, false prophets, because they didn't say this, they didn't do that. Then I ask them, well, when was the last time God used you in the same kind of a capacity? And they don't give me an answer. No, you would. They get off on something else. No, you didn't answer my question. When was the last time you spoke in tongues? When was the last time that you um, had been given a, a word of prophecy and spoke it out? Right. I don't hear anything. Nope. Oh, nope. well, then how are you even qualified to know what a modern New Testament prophet is? You don't because you don't even understand what the scriptures are saying in regards to um to um, Amos 3, 7. That was for everyone at all times, through all periods. It wasn't just for a certain time. It wasn't just for the the apostles and when they die, it's all over. Satan's throwing everything he has at us and we're going to use a limited edition gospel to tie to fight him with one hand tied behind our back. I don't think that's going to work out too well for you, some of you people. So, yeah. my gosh, some of the some of the most contentious things that I've had to fight with are people that have been told that these things don't exist for today. Therefore, the enemy for demonic possession doesn't exist for uh, today. See, because if you don't have the spiritual power to fight these things, then you got to make up something else to say that it doesn't happen at all. <laughs> Look, right. You come with me and spend a couple of days with me and tell me at the end of those couple of days that, that Satan doesn't have possession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you blind, deaf, and dumb are a special kind of stupid if you don't uh, understand that the, all these things are happening today. Right. So. Well, I know just uh, even with some of them, you know, they'll send missionaries out to the, you know, the third world and stuff like that, and they'll they'll fully witness uh, demonic possession and 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 the full appearance of it. And not right. fully understand what the, what they're seeing, they can't deny it that it's not happening. But they're not right. necessarily equipped, equipped really to deal with it in general. So the neat the neat thing about it is because they've had that confrontation, it causes them to start reevaluating some yes. of the teachings. Yes. And, it, and because of that, then they realize, you know, and that's the one thing I love about fundamentalist doctrine, because I was a fundamentalist before I was a Pentecostal. And I thank God for that, because they said, look, everything that you experience has to be supported and backed up by uh, book, chapter, text and verse. You know what? It took me about a year as being a Christian. I realized, hey, the gifts are still here for today. They never ended. What are you guys talking about, man? This don't even make sense. So it was by their own fundamentalist doctrine that I understood, wow, it hasn't ended. It couldn't. It doesn't even make sense that it would end. Why would, if God's given you a supernatural gift, why would he take it away and end it? it, The one thing that's very Jewish in culture is that there's in the mouth of two or more witnesses a thing is established. My gosh, when they even tell a story, they'll tell a story in a generalized version, then they tell it, retell it in a very specific version. Always twofold, everything done twice, everything. This is just a very Jewish thing. So Pardis is another example of that, which is never taught in the West. So, I mean, these things, you know... uh, once you have an understanding of it, you have a deeper appreciation for the most sophisticated language on this planet, and that is Hebrew. The dumbest language on this planet 
unfortunately, is English. And it is. I mean, and I'm not a linguist by any chance, but I've had a little Latin. I've had um, um, studying Greek, Hebrew, and, and Aramaic, and, and even Greek and Hebrew is so far sophist- more sophisticated than than English. Doesn't even have words capable of explaining um, different genders or tenses that we just we don't have it in English. So it's so, so oversimplified. So even our translations. We need to go back to the original languages because the translations just, you know, they don't do justice to a lot of what the real and original intent is to the to the word. I've had some people tell me, well, the King James, I don't, I, I got the King James, I don't need an original language. So somehow the King James translation trumps the original language. I mean, guys, I've had to contend with that kind of stupidity. Yeah, I can't believe that that even exists. But it, you know, I always get real nervous when uh, you know a, a particular translation of the Bible is you know upheld so high over another. Um, it, I think it's more to do with the fact of certain translations reinforce certain Bible doctrines, right? Yeah, I would I would say that was it. But you know, the thing is that I do believe the King James is probably one of the most articulate and accurate uh but king james you know listening to king james old english now i fortunately i was brought up with it i'm you know i've been a christian for 40 what 45 years i think it's been now so i mean i'm used to it i grew up with the king james so i know how to understand what certain words mean in old english which have no modern understanding at all. It's like it's like ancient Greek to modern Greek, um, ancient Hebrew to modern Hebrew. It's totally different. So I understand the complications that younger generations would have. But um, you turned me on to a uh, translation that I think is um, as equal to or better. What the? Well, I, I, uh, I use a, an ESV yeah, that's uh, Bible. But I actually use an ESV study Bible, so like in my, uh, so in my Bible, you know, most of the manuscripts for the New Testament, they either use the text Tetus Receptus, I think, and the majority of texts is what you find for most um, New Testament translations. Uh, mine will actually show, you know, where um, where they're different. And or if there's a particular scripture that's omitted from one of the manuscripts, it'll point that out. Um, and also the Old Testament, same thing. They'll they'll rely on um, obviously partially the Masoretic, but then they'll actually include the Septuagint. And I do think they look they do reference um, a couple other things as well. I can't remember off the top of my head. Probably the Latin Vulgate. Vulgate would be the yeah. would be another reference. Um, just the variation. Um, See that that there is invaluable. That is awesome. If there it is, is because it actually totally yeah. objective. Yes, it is, and then it actually allows you to actually kind of figure it out on your own. You know where maybe there's some. Uh, you know it, it doesn't. Well, if you've got all the information, background information, you can pray better and get more of a, a yeah. A trustworthy answer, but well, actually, um, I glean better off multiple translations because uh, I, I oh, get yeah. a little bit better perspective on things that I didn't necessarily yep. catch in another. Um, <clears throat> I don't get so bent out of shape out about about that, and I'll even say that about the NIV. I you know I don't necessarily see it as a uh, a 
a good translation for you know <laughs> I, I call study it the nearly, the study but if you, if you but <laughs> if you want a, a dynamic equivalent to get a uh, pretty easy read of a lot of things right. um that's that's obviously a very very good reference as well so just don't rely on it on it as your only don't, don't source. Don't use it as a study Bible. Yes. You can use it as one. Yeah. But somebody that, let's say that they're not used to reading and, and yes. they're not comfortable with reading, it no. at least gives them a fairly decent modern literation of it. Uh, the, the way that, I mean, how did all of the big churches end up using NIV? How did that ever happen when we came from such a focused on, you know, word by word literation? And by that, I mean that in, in the King James or in the, um, any of the other older translations, American Standard, a few others, um, every word that is in the Bible has an English equivalency to that word in Strong's numbers. Now, that's word-by-word word literation. Now, the NIV was done by concept. It didn't have a word-by-word word literation. That means you're totally dependent upon the people that did the translation. The yep. selling detail was they said, hey, you know what we're going to do, guys? We're going to take the best of the Septuagint, the best of the Masoretic texts, and we're going to blend them together to give you a, uh, a, a, an interpretation that has the best of both worlds. Oh, wow, okay, that sounds pretty good. Well, and in some cases, it's it's not bad. Yes. But in other cases, you look at who were the ones that did the translations. Well, yep. we had one agnostic, we had two atheists, and we had three people that were connected to the um, secret societies. Oh, boy, I think yeah, I really want to trust you for my interpretations. No. Right. Even if they had good intentions, they're outside trying to look in. The word came by those that were anointed of God. That who is, you know, know, we're doing it kind of backwards there, guys. We're trusting people that aren't fully reliable. And I'm not even saying that it was a a deep cloaked, you know, um, New World Order conspiracy. It might have been just good intended people hired to do a job, but they're on the outside. Their brain, they're, they're dead in their sins. They don't have enlightenment. They're not connected to the Holy Spirit. So they're doing it by intellect. Maybe with good intentions, but yeah, it still think, doesn't produce a good result. Yeah, I think my 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 point I'm trying to make is don't make a Bible translation um, a point of division amongst the brethren. Right. So you know, I, I tell I, you know I tell some people that have difficulty in reading, go ahead and and use it to get a concept then if you have questions go to me or somebody else that you can trust that's you know that that understands the language and everything and and they'll kind of focus you in on you know more detail so i don't tell them oh it's of the devil don't use it no that's come on you know i mean it's more it's more complicated than that yeah exactly well and yet the the neat the neat thing about it though is that when god actually is going to do something for us. It's so simple a child can understand it. When you're trying to get into prophecy and understand some of these things, so much of it is encrypted. There's certain you know rules of engagement, linguistics, all kinds of different things. You actually got to go to college or do some studying um, on some sort, some way. Um, a lot of study, actually, to understand, to know how to rightly divide the word. But when it comes to actually administering or bringing the kingdom of God to somebody, it's so simple, even a kid couldn't understand it. So 
that's God's love and mercy. You know, it, some things we have to be disciplined and to be structured and to want the truth and cover all bases to find all points of information so that we can get a full picture. That's what I like about the translation that you turned me on to, Eric, because it has, it has a, um, just a lot of source material that's totally objective. And so you, you ultimately make the decision prayerfully between you and the Lord. And that's the way it should be. I think it's yep. great. The thing that, you know, to play uh, the advocate, not necessarily the devil's advocate, but uh, not at <laughs> all. All right, all. okay. Not at all, I got actually. my brick ready. Yeah, Watch it, buddy. I got my brick ready. Yeah, you got it off the pallet outside <laughs> your house, right? Uh, anyway, um, whenever – if you look at everything but the King James Version, they're copywritten. And copyrights yep. bother me because the purpose of a copyright <laughs> yeah. is to create mechanisms to control ownership and distribution of expressive words. Works. Yeah, I agree. And which means to me that they've changed things. And if you look at uh, there's some sites online where you can go and see where things have been changed or omitted or things have been added. Copyright don't have a certain amount of changes. I think you do. Well, excuse me. I said, in order to have a copyright, you have to have a certain amount yeah. of changes in order well, to. Yeah. Exactly, but when they leave out the name of Jesus, or they, yep. or you know, they, they manipulate well, words to have different meanings. That's that's to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I can answer a little bit to that. Um, most of what you actually see that is, and is most of the newer modern Bible translations, especially in the New Testament, they'll use the um, the majority text uh, versus the old the uh, tet. Tectus Receptus, like the King James does in its New Testament. Now, for some reason, in the majority of texts, uh, there are certain scriptures that are, are not in there, omitted. They're either omitted or they never should have been in there. I can't tell necessarily what who, what is and what is, but there seems to be a pattern of uh, things in regards to Jesus and his deity uh, that are omitted in the majority text, so I, I can I can definitely understand where Dave is coming from from that standpoint. Yeah. So, you know what? That'd be something to get a hold of Mike, Doctor Mike Heiser on. I'm yeah. sure he has a clear answer on that one. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But um, you know, I think um, we've done the Matrix thing, and we've kind of gone down a rabbit hole because we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> we did. We, we got to get, get back on target. Get back on target. Okay, though, because we had a lot of good stuff that came out of this. Yeah. But um, we still got a lot of time. We still got a lot of ability to get back on target. So I think that you know the question probably a lot of people are. We know that George Soros is the main character that's promoting this. Um, Don't get mad at me, guys, but I I twittered President Trump and asked him to send a cruise missile to destroy George Soros. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think the guy's redeemable. I I, you know I don't know. I'm not God, but you know. All, all indications are that he's not. And um, But anyway, you know, maybe I'm wrong. It'd be nice if I was wrong. But um, so we, we know that he's probably the main character that's that's pulling all this stuff off and he's financing most of it. So um, so how do we combat it? Well, I guess now that they're they're deemed a uh, terrorist group, we can go after them. That's a good thing. So what do you think is going to happen? Both of you guys and I'll chime in, too. Uh, the next uh, the next two, three weeks, month, six months, with all the stuff that's going down. And we know why it's going down, because the um, the COVID thing really didn't work. Uh, it's funny how you can get out and protest, uh, you know, with thousands, tens of thousands of people out in the street, and they don't get arrested for not wearing masks. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you, 
you can uh, you can get arrested for going to church with a hundred people. Um, I guess churches are a lot easier target. But um, anyway, so you know, what do we see coming down the road? I think a lot of people would like to, even if it's just speculation uh, or you know things you might have seen in the past, and this might go the same way or whatever. You know, any any takers on that one? Why don't you guys go first? I always get on there and get oh, man. Let me what, go last. <laughs> what's going to come out of this? You know, I mean, you know, when I when I look at it, this is obviously, you know, it's been one thing after another. Uh, you know, COVID-19 was really instrumental to try to basically drive uh, the world economies into the ground, create economic instability they don't want trump reelected but right. um but i could see that covid was kind of dying anyway in terms of its um um purpose abil- purpose yeah. right yes yes so i think it's on to the next phase and it's the rioting um to create instability and try to probably i don't know i don't know if they're trying to overthrow um or make it so bad that people blame this all on Trump and then he can't win the next election. This is all about him not winning in 2020. I, or this is part of it anyways. They don't want him to win because what's coming is the the arrests and the trials of people that are pretty well known um, that go up the chain to Obama in terms of you know the shadow government that was being run. Uh, all the traitors that exist within, you know, the government and uh, within Hollywood and, uh, you know, obviously a lot of these private companies, these Fortune 500 companies or whatever um, that been, have been really orchestrating this plan to destroy the United States uh, and its economy because uh, they had a plan. Uh, and they, they've echoed it before. Q has echoed this. You know, they never thought Hillary was going to lose. Right. So, so they got arrogant and they got sloppy because they right. never thought she would lose because they she was she was the finisher um, for the United States. Right. So it it left them vulnerable from the, as soon as he won. So it's been this whole thing to get him out because eventually a lot of these people will get arrested and also um, there's the child trafficking, unfortunately. Um, that a lot of these people are tied up into. Yeah. Like if you notice, like that Kathy. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The redhead. Yeah, she was talked to a while back after uh, Trump had won. She had made threats, you know, with that head cut off of Trump, right. uh, or that fake head, and you know they ended up coming in and talking to her. Well, she came out again, not within the last, you know, few weeks or the last month here, saying that she wants to take a. Pull this you know, injection of air, inject it air, in. and, yeah. and basically stab him with it, you know. And so now, now they got to have another conversation. But again, for everybody out there, when you see the the people going nuts, you know, against Trump, there, this obviously implicates them to some degree. It could right. be the pedophilia, which, being Hollywood, chances are that's probably a very, very most likely the, the case. Um, right. Right. Or they're they're part of the whole um, deep state mechanism um, that's in place. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. I agree. <clears throat> I think that uh, another thing is that um, if they don't get uh, Antifa all cleaned up, 
Uh, a lot of people are going to be afraid to head to the polls, thinking that Antifa might be there, you know, when they go to the polls. And so yeah. uh, that, and that's going to be a, there's going to be a great cry out for vote by mail. Yes, where that's where the massive fraud oh, will come into yeah. place. That that was the part of their other plan with COVID um, was to, right. to create that so that they can do the voter fraud and ensure their victory. But I don't know. It just it somehow that's just that's just not it's not going to work out that way. I just uh-huh. know that it's not. Right. So. Right. Well. <laughs> well, all Trump has to do is say, you know what? Um, we're still going to have the polling places. You can still go. Don't worry about it because we're going to put five or six um, uh, Marines out there at every polling place so you can feel safe to come in and vote. You know, um, that would take care of that problem right away. You wouldn't have the Black Panthers out there intimidating people. You wouldn't have Antifa out there, you know, threatening to break the legs of people that uh, want to go into the polling place and stuff like that. So um, that's a problem that's easy to take care of, and you know, when you think about it. Um, if, if he's thought about it, um, but, uh, I don't know. I just, um, this just, to me, this just, uh, it's infuriating a lot of people and that's a good thing. And a lot of people know that, um, they've put two and two together and figured out that this is happening in mostly places that have, um, that are run by Democrats, you know, and the Democrats aren't doing anything to stop it. Um, one of the things I heard is that, Oh, why isn't Trump doing something? Well, Trump can't do anything about it. He's got his hand ties right now, tied right now. Um, so a lot of people are still under the impression that we're under posse comitatus, but Mr. Bush did away with that during his presidency. Um, so really, the army can come in any time they want to and do anything they they have to do. Um, well, he has talked about, uh, you know, he's pretty much kind of threatened them already a little bit that if they don't, you know, stop this instability that he will send in the military, which I don't know. Maybe right. maybe he will, maybe well, he won't. I don't know. Well, that would Trump, Trump is underplaying his power. As soon as World Health Organization declared that this is a global pandemic, we were under the War Powers Act in the United States. Right. First started in World War II, completed in, I mean, first started in World War One completed to its uh, current status in World War II. In other words, when we are in a war, a, a state of war, the President of the United States has total authority to overrule any individual or organization that threatens the um, safety of the United States of America. And it's according to his definition, his definition alone. So he's underplaying his power. As Soon as they declared a global pandemic, we were brought under the the um, War Powers Act. He can cancel the elections at any time he wants to. He can cancel anything, anybody, anytime he wants to. He's letting this all play out so that the ugly can look ugly and get ugly and hang themselves with their own rope. Right. That's what he's letting right. happen. Um, and, and look at all the special laws they made to try to take shortcuts to take him down. <laughs> Those laws are still there. You know what? It's like, what's his name? I keep messing up the two guys' names, Hiram and, and what was the one that set up the, the – was getting ready to have the Jews hung on their um, – on the platform? Haman. Well, oh, Haman. Haman. Yeah. Okay, Hiram thank you. Hiram was the king of uh, – Hiram was the good guy. Haman was yeah. the bad – okay, I keep yep. getting them two mixed up. It's become a phobia to me. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but anyways, okay, so that is what's happening there. He is underplaying his power and authority. He could – 
he can do whatever he wants to. Well, he has given them the rope in which they will be hung by. Exactly, Eric. Exactly. Yes. And he wants everybody else to see. I want you to see how ridiculous this is. Yeah. Because he's part of God's plan. He knows that he just knows that he knows how it's going to play out. We won't even get into that tonight, but, you know, (laughs) he knows. (laughs) He's seen it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and because of that, he's able to be one one step ahead of the enemy. And he's playing them. I mean, I watched a series. I don't know. Oh, man. Should I even go here, Jim? I don't know. I watched a series. A new one came out on Netflix called Space Force. It's a comedy um, I could never, as a pastor, recommend this for anyone to watch. It has every nasty agenda, including the gay agenda. It's got everything in there that is just a bunch of garbage and, and crap. But I'm a guy who's always at war with himself. I'm a hoarder, but I'm a clean freak. So I'm always fighting myself. So uh, to explain that, I mean, I feel comfortable dump. dump dumpster diving to look for that one special thing that might be in the dumpster. But I got to dig through a lot of dirt to find it. Yeah. And I used to be a half empty glass type of person, but now I'm a half full glass type of person. So it's a matter of perception uh, on that basis. Do you see the glass half full? Do you see it half empty? You can see doom and gloom or you can see something good encased and surrounded by a bunch of garbage. Yeah. I'm that guy now. So, in this movie, it has some pretty profound – oh, my gosh. It even talks about – they're making fun of it, of course, but it even talks about um, the eating babies. And, well, it's not that you're eating all of it. It's just eating little components of a lot of different ones to make it together so that you have this complete – I'm going, my God, that's exactly what they do, sacrificing the Balaam, exactly what they did at Mount Hermon. What the, you know, It's like all this stuff, and I'm going, I can't believe they're – here they are. They're, they're putting it. All these truths in here. Regardless of that, the nugget in all of this was the fact that by the left and the right coming together and considering one another, they got a whole picture and they could get a clear understanding of things. Um, it's if you're a if you're a person that's used to our broadcast and you've heard all the stuff that we've ever talked about. I could say that you probably could watch this and it wouldn't it wouldn't disturb you too much. If you're a person new to this broadcast, I would not suggest you read you, you watch it. If you um, are expecting a movie that should be lined up totally with the word of God and you're expecting warm and fuzzies, it's not going to be that way. There are some real truths in there, but you got to dig for it. You got to be able to be tough enough to go through the garbage in order to see what is worthy but there is some worthy considerations in in the movie but i didn't i gotta admit i didn't like the part they try to make potus they just call him potus they won't say trump but you know that's what they're talking about this is a, a rather recent series that came out but in all of it of course they do they do show china in all of its glory and why i shouldn't buy why none of us should buy anything from china I mean, if they contaminate dog bones, put lead in paint, and do all these other things, why do we trust them with our chicken or anything, or a mask, or anything for that matter? Right. Um, You don't. Matter of fact, the best thing is don't buy anything from China. You know, even some of my health foods now, 
I, I went to my doctor today to see about the coronavirus thing, and I'll find out tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, um, you know, what's going on with that. But anyways, uh, but he had some interesting things to say, and he was telling me, just make sure you don't buy anything from China. He, he was telling me some of my supplements and things that I get. Um, I'm thinking, my God, you know what? A lot of these darn things are from China. Why? I don't think I want to trust them anymore. Right. Um, don't trust any of it, man. My gosh. But it, it showed some humorous things in that movie with, with China. But um, I bring it up only to say that it's worth looking at if you want to see how we should study politics to know that it affects us, but don't get personally involved in it. But look at the fact that the enemy plays politics against us left and right. So if you're right, you go out and protest that you want to be free. You don't want to wear a mask. If you're left, you stay inside and, and, and hunker down in, in fear and, and wait for whatever, you know, until they tell you they can go. Yeah. And you listen to CDC or um, the world health organization. Yeah. Uh, my safe. I told my doctor. I said, "Look, what I've learned is to be safe is uh, when the when the WHO or the CDC say something, do the opposite. When Trump says something, do it. Period. Makes it very simple in in my life anyway. Because if you understand Trump is part of the plan and providence of God, you have confidence in that. Notice he never wears a mask. Right. Mm -hmm. There's maybe a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, now." If, if you are sick or somebody that you um, are ministering to or, in my case, praying over that is sick. Now, here's the important thing. And I shared this last week. It's important to know that there's many of us that understand what we understand. Genesis 6 paradigm, all this stuff. is because the Lord has caused you to understand these things because he has given you a mark and a seal. A mark of supernatural empowerment, a seal of supernatural protection. So wherever the lamb goes, and he's going to strange places like the whole Genesis 6 paradigm, you need to know that you have this mark and a seal upon you. I have it too. I'm not worried about anything. I can pray with any, and I have. I, I pray with um, coronavirus people, um, personal contact, smuggled in uh, masks to a place that needed them. Because I had them, because being an artist and sculptor and everything, I use these masks. And when I found out those are the ones they need, I made sure they got them. I broke some rules, laws of the land. You know what? But they, they were not the laws of my Lord. <laughs> Whenever I can save life or preserve life, I'm going to do that first. And I don't care about anything else. So I think for each one of us, that, that's something that, of a decision that we have to make. The better you can get informed the better you can make an, a decision. I don't mean that our faith should be make us lazy or foolish. We need to do our part, all that we can do on our part. But the part that we can't have anything to do with, that's where we got to have faith that God can fill in the gaps. But we still have a responsibility to be reasonable, to be responsible, to consider all situations. I wear a mask um, when I'm out because it's a law. Um, and I don't want to put I don't want to put the store people, retailer people. They're told that, you know, they're they're supposed to enforce this law. How are they going to enforce the law? Right. These people are trying minimum wage. They're trying to, you know, to just, you know, eke out a living. And I'm going to put them in a position because I don't want to wear a mask and prove my political point. No, I'll wear it. Hey, you know, just have a blessed day. You know, I get a chance to witness to them and share Christ. Yeah, I don't go in there to, you know 
try to show a left or right, nothing. You know, I'm just, I want to consider all people and I want to consider life and preserve life the best I can. And I think if that's our motivation, I don't think we have to worry about specifics on a lot of things. And I got up on another bunny trail, so I'm stopping right now. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So anyway, um, so we've come to the conclusion that what happens happens, and uh, we really don't know. Um, all we can do is trust in the Lord that uh, he's got our best interest in mind. And, and what's even more important is that his will is the is what's is more important in our best interest, actually, even though the both they both kind of coincide with each other. And um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, is this going to end up with me getting hurt or or anything like that? Well, we don't know that. Um, but all I can do is sum it up. Um, and I, I, you know what happened? It was hilarious when um, uh, about three years ago when, when the doctor um, did a test on me and they found that I had colon cancer. He walked in and he looked like, uh, you know, I don't know how I'm going to tell this guy this, you know. And he, so he walked in and he got a picture of this guy. He's kind of young and got a little bit of a German accent. He's really cool, though. <laughs> um, not that German people aren't cool, but, you know. Anyway, for somebody that had to deliver, deliver this message, he was he was quite uh, a little nervous, but quite articulate. And he uh, he says, "Well, I don't know how to tell you this." He said, "But you know, we found cancer." And I went, and "I was okay, all right." So you found cancer. What do we do next? You know? And I don't think he was expecting that. You know, I think he was expecting, "Oh my God, you know, what's 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 going to happen now?" But if you're a believer, and and I don't know if all believers are this way, but you know, when you're when you're 61 years old and you've been through the things that I've been through, and Jim, you've been through the things, and Eric, things you've been through and you're going through, and and us too, and uh, you learn that, you know, what did Paul say? To live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, if I live another 10, 15, 20 years, then great, and I know who I'll live for. It won't be for me; it'll be for him. And you know, should one day he decide, hey, you know, I'm calling you home, whatever by whatever means necessary. I'm like, okay, you know, and um, I one day, and I don't want to, you know, because my, my brain works overtime all the time. I The only time it doesn't work, I think, is when I'm asleep. That's probably why I don't dream, <laughs> um, or I, I can't remember dreams. But anyway, um, one day I was just reflecting on, you know, well, you know, it's not kind of morbid, but, you know, how long is, is the pain really lasting when, let's say, you get shot or, you know, somebody knifes you or something like that. You know, how long does the pain really last? Well, you know, it might last a day, two, three, four days, you know, before you finally you give in to the, the, the wound or whatever. But compared to eternity, that's nothing. You know, I don't think, I'm of the opinion, I don't think that when we get to heaven, we're going we're gonna to remember much of what happened down here. <laughs> and... You know, we might remember the good things uh, that the Lord lets us remember, the things that we did for him and things like that. But all the pain and the suffering and the sorrow, I it wouldn't be heaven if we remembered that. You know, so those are things that I don't think that are, are going to matter. And, and the minor suffering that we'll go through before we get there, if that's the case, you know, there there's some people that just, you know, are walking one minute and they have a massive heart attack and they're dead. Um, God bless them. <laughs> Um, or, you know, they're taken out by other means, but, uh, you know, compared to eternity, 
a scant two, three days or whatever it is, is nothing. It's nothing to worry about. At least I, I comfort myself in that, in that thought. You know, it's, um, what we should be looking at is the final goal. Paul talks about that all the time, you know. Um, I think he mentioned somewhere in a race that you don't look back. Because when you look back, you slow down, and you might trip and fall and really embarrass yourself and look like a dumb idiot like you lost the race. So you don't look back. You just keep moving forward. You take the baton from the other guy if that's what kind of race you're running, or you just uh, run your run a, a race without that. But anyway, um, so you run till you get to the, to the goal and you win. And you might come in second place or whatever, but when you're in the Lord, you're going to win anyway, right? So that's because that's to be our goal. And with this stuff that's going on right now, you know, all the all the you know people that are worrying about, you know, all these guys are going to come in and riot and, and stuff like that. Yeah, they may. Let's put it that way. They may come in and riot. There, there may be a bad time, you know. But let's look at the goal. And right away, people start. Oh yeah, well they just start thinking about themselves. What's what's going to happen to me? Is my body going to hurt? Is, um, you know, are they going to trash my stuff and stuff like that? Where, you know, that, that guy that's coming in to loot your house or to kill you, maybe that guy had a brush with the Lord years ago or heard about the Lord from his grandmother years ago and just walked away from it. And you say the words that his grandmother said 40 or 50 years ago. It clicks. And all of a sudden he has this aha moment. And it's like... I need to come to the Lord. And you lead him to the Lord. You know, all the time, a lot of times we focus on ourselves, what we're going to do, what, you know, how, how is it going to hurt? You know, are, are they going to take all my money away? Are they going to take all my property away? Stuff doesn't really matter. Stuff you can't take with you anyway. Um, but, but being used by the Lord <laughs> in a certain capacity is all that matters. You know, but Jim, you've had things that happen to you, you know, where you've, you've come against adversity and really it was the divine, divine moment, the divine appointment. And we got to start looking at things like that. You know, it's, um, I think that, uh, <clears throat> one of the things, cause I, I just took a class last year in, in early church history and it was all about the, the persecution and everything. And one of the things that really confounded, uh, the Romans and, uh, and the pagans, uh, you know, a lot of times they were the same thing, but, one of the things that confounded them is how, how Christians took things, how they accepted things, how they um, how they responded when adversity came against them, you know. And I know that it's a, it's a historical fact that one of the things that drove Nero crazy was that when he went down to look at the people that had been, you know, tortured or, or were killed by gladiators or lions, is they all had a peaceful look on their face. He just couldn't understand that. It drove him nuts. Uh, Polycarp, when he was... Uh, when he was going to be um, burned at the stake, they they um, they were looking at him, and, he, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was like, you know, I really don't care. And uh, then when they um, the fire didn't touch him, so, and then when they went to spear him to kill him, the, the his blood put the fire out, you know. And, and it's all things like that 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 confound the the, the pagans to the point where um, they want to know what we know, they want to know who we know. Um, one of the things that um, that you read about in the church fathers or you even read about in scripture is that they saw the love that, that Christians had for one another and it totally confounded them. You know, it's it's not normal to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. 
It's not normal to love your enemies. It's not normal to, it's, by this world standards, I mean, uh, by this world standards, it's not normal to, to pray for the person that persecutes you. And like the scripture says, and it, and it should be worded this way, it's not, but it should be worded, um, that he uses the things that this world seems as foolishness to confound the wise. You know, and that's what it does. It confounds them. They can't understand it. And the evil ones are going to grow more wicked because of it. But the ones that are called are going to see it and they're going to want to know more. And that's what our mission is in life, to show them more. And that's what our mission is in this, this day of riots and, and everything else. It's it's not to take the world narrative on it. It's to take the kingdom narrative on it and to express the kingdom narrative and to live the kingdom narrative so that people can see it and that they can be confounded. And they could say, hey, this guy's not acting normal. Uh, we got to know more about this, even if it's just out of curiosity. But, you know, that guy, when I hit him on the cheek, he turned his other cheek. That's not normal. Why did he do that? You know, and that causes them to search out. You brought that up earlier in the, in the show, Jim, that um, it caused people to uh, to want to know why we acted the way we do or something like that. Right, right. And um, so that that's our purpose. That's that's our calling. That's our you know, the, 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 the commandment of Jesus was to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, you know, which means not just humans, but it means, you know, people that look like humans but aren't. But that's a whole other story for a whole other day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. one, thing, one thing that I uh, forgot to focus back on is that in the 1967 Detroit riots, I was 16 years old, pretty aware of what was going on, you know, in the world and everything, even at 16. And uh, what I see happening right now is a replay of everything that happened then. Mm-hmm. And if it continues, it could get pretty heavy for a while. Um, if this doesn't let up and the agitators back then were communists and they were they were communists primarily in the, in the black community, but they were still communists. Um, people like, um, uh, what was his name, Malcolm X, and others from going back to uh, what was known as the Lincoln Brigade. Um, I've got in one of my, in the Three Frogs series of videos that I have, I, I have that all, that history in there. But um, I didn't know it at 16. I knew it later, but I knew something was going on. Why are these people shooting firemen that are trying to put out the, you know, the um, fires in th- this community? It just, it didn't make sense. Well, that's why it didn't make sense. There were agitators, you know, uh, in there to create and magnify and create a mob mentality to do things that normally they wouldn't do, which happened. And this is what's going on right now with, with uh, Antiva and um, good Lord, you know, I hope the other side doesn't end up uh, the anarchists, you know, decide to jump in on the thing too, but it could, it could happen that way. Um, So we could see, You know, this could be something that that I didn't see coming that could happen and play out. I mean, I knew the rioting was going to happen in all the cities. I always thought it was going to be at the last half of the tribulation, not maybe the first half. But it could be that the pendulum is going to swing way far over before we get the reset. And now with CERN, you know, um, Eric, you were telling me that you had found out that CERN wasn't going to fire this year, but they're going to fire next year. Yeah, in 2021, I Uh, forget what, what. I, what, I hope that's wrong. You know, I, yeah, I hope I hope I hope you're cur- I hope you're right too in that, Jim. So because I think you know we're talking this new age rapture thing is contingent on that firing. 
But then again, they could misinform us so that we would think that, you know what I'm saying? There's just so much garbage out there. We don't know what to trust or what to believe, but we can trust God's plan. Uh, Amos 3.7, we can trust his plan. We can trust his people and we can trust him. And that's what our what our focus has to be. But it would appear that if things continue the way they're going, um, it's it could end up a possible scenario. It could end up that um, uh, we might even have we might have riots that are continuing on. We might even have a United Nations intervention where they come in because on the pretense that hey, you have the largest nuclear arsenal in the world and you seem to not be able to control these things so we're coming in as a key peacekeeping unit to establish order to make sure that um, nobody grabs any nukes and, and starts using it or anything so they come in then something happens then all of a sudden then a shift happens again and this time Trump will say okay you came in thank you for your help now you can leave as a matter of fact, leave our shores. We are no longer funding you. We are no longer providing you a place to stay. Go back to the plains of Shinar. Get out of our country. We don't want anything to do with you. We're cutting you off from everything. Get out of here. And that could be, you know, and this is going to happen someday. Maybe this is how it happens and why it happens. I don't know. What we're talking is speculation right now. I've gotten little snapshot pictures of, what, of what's going to happen, when it happens, how it interacts with other things. I don't know. I have to wait like everybody else and be patient and wait. But it could be a possible scenario that could lead up to that. Whatever it is, eventually, it's going to be for our good. Mark Taylor, um, uh, David Wilkerson, um, and, and come on, Kim Clement have all spoken in, in transparency layers. Each one of them had a piece of the puzzle. Each one of them are defining further their own works so that we get a clear 100% picture almost from that. Um, and that's how that scenario might be played out, just a possibility. But uh, whatever the rocky roads are that are ahead, like Dave was saying, God's grace and mercy is going to see us through. Our focus needs to be on, you know, what Jesus said. He says, and when this gospel is preached in the whole world, then the end will come. You want this all, all this garbage to come to an end? <laughs> Let's just concentrate on getting people saved. All of the information that we might have prophetically or or even, um, you know, to whatever depth we have, we share to let people know so they can um, be aware. But the most important thing is to know that there's hope for our future. We're studying the effects of losers. They don't win. They lose. Right. We win if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. That's, that's you know, so I think the writing may go further than I ever anticipated. And if it does, it, it it's not going to rock my faith at all. It's just, okay, God, this is part of your plan. I trust your plan. We'll get through it. Right. You know, speaking of losers, <laughs> scanning the news as you've been going along, <clears throat> and um, just goes to show you the intelligence of some of these protesters. They they got on some kind of bridge down in down in um, let's see, is it Dallas? Yeah, I think it's Dallas. 
<clears throat> and uh, when they got on the bridge, the police came in from the right, from the back, and from the front, and now have them trapped on the bridge and, and are arresting them in mass. So <laughs> anyway, oops. Yep. Yeah, the, no tactical um, training whatsoever. <laughs> well, that's that's part of the joke. I mean, you know, you're you're coming up against. You know, there's still enough of us guys, you know, left from uh, the Vietnam era that. You know, we kind of understand we understand failed political strategy and we also understand good sound um, military strategy. We see the difference because we've been played by both, you know, in that horrendous, stupid war. Right. But, uh, yeah, you're contented with uh, what do they call it? The boomer doomers. Yeah, we still haven't. We're not all doomed yet. <laughs> uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's. Uh... This thing may be over in just a couple of days, but, you know, we got to um, remember that it can start up again as fast as it's it's ending. And um, and just again, you know, just like the uh, the young black girl that was on the video, um, we need to uh, unify and we need to call these people out as upstarts and that they don't really um they're not really representing anybody except George Soros and, and the yep. Communist Manifesto. So um, anyway, hopefully it'll all be put down and uh, and they'll you know either go to jail or go to live in their parents' basement again. Um, <laughs> you know anyway. another thing we another thing we want to do is let's follow what Sweden did. It's awesome. Sweden and never had a second appearance of a pandemic or anything because sweden just said we're ignoring it we're just going out and continuing to live our lives like we always ever have done and because they did that they're the only nation in the country that hasn't had a second wave coronavirus coded uh 19 virus uh second wave attack they never had it right right so let's do what they did that's what I'm doing. Well, I'm obeying the law. I put a mask on when I have to because I have to. But I usually make sure that the mask, what I do is hold a, a lighter, a foot and a half. And if I can blow it out, I'm good to go. That's a just doesn't work. And so I'm, I'm good with that. Um, I don't want to sit here and breathe in a bag. Uh, I'm, I have a natural talent being clumsy anyway. But if I continually breathe my own carbon um Oh, I know. Trust me. Yeah, I don't like yeah, that you, either. Yeah, you're the medical guy, so you know, you know, you could explain it better than better than I can. But I mean, it's like you start losing consciousness, you start being dizzy, you start being um, um, somewhat incoherent, right? Yeah, and at the very least, you start getting cranky because you you're not getting enough oxygen. <clears throat> and try wearing those for ten to twelve hours in in the work settings. <clears throat> See the thing they don't realize is that, especially the paper masks, the uh, the they call them surgical masks. After a certain amount of time, those things get stat- saturated with your with your uh, your breath, you know, because you're you're constantly breathing out condensation. <clears throat> and when it comes becomes saturated, um, you've heard of uh, salmon swimming upstream, right? <laughs> well, if you got a if you got a drop of water that goes through your mask that's that's a breach of your mask and it's going to come it's going to come through there a virus can cling on to that and i don't know if viruses swim but uh you know it can work its way through the mask via that you know and uh so anyway uh great okay um 
I was looking at something. Anyway, um, so, you know, it, it makes sense that – so what I do at work is I change it out 20 <laughs> times a day, you know, um, because it, when it gets clogged with moisture, you can't breathe right anyway. Then your glasses really start fogging up, and then you're breathing in what you breathed out, and that's – I'm sorry, but that cannot be good for you. Um, you know, we're, we're meant to take in oxygen and expel carbon dioxide. If yeah. You're, if you're – Taking in oxygen and then expelling half of the di- carbon dioxide and then breathing the other half back in, it's not good for you. And I'm expecting in about two or three years, there's going to be a commercial on TV that's going to say, were you a frontline worker that had to wear a mask for upwards of eight hours a day? Uh, you yep. probably have breathed in your own carbon monoxide, and it's been dangerous to your health. So call this a turn. <laughs> you're probably that's. <laughs> and guess who's going to be the first one on the telephone calling his attorney? Say <laughs> <laughs> on a on a side note, uh, I I saw something. Um, uh, it was MSNBC, I think. They used the film footage from. Oh, World yeah. War Z, I think it was, or something like that. One of the zombie apocalypse movies of of a city <laughs> burning on fire. From, World War Z, they, yeah, yeah. They yeah. used it as the as some uh, some city that was experiencing riots. They got caught. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they're getting called out on that stuff all the time now. Did you see the one where the guy was uh, broadcasting? I don't know what city he was in, what news uh, company he was with. But he was broadcasting, and on his phone he had the sound of rapid-fire machine guns. And so while he was broadcasting, I guess he pushed the button. You hear pop, 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 pop. Well, there happened to be a um, an African-American young lady standing there, and she says, "I saw what you did." She said, "There's no gunfire around here, but you have it on your phone. You just <laughs> you just blew it because you're trying to tell everybody there's gunshots there, folks. There's no gunshots here. Don't believe him." <laughs> uh oh. Oh man! There are advantages to having Twitter accounts. <laughs> you get all this stuff; it's great. But um, anyway, um, other people have started to, to take up. They're, they're, you've heard of Chuck Schumer, right? Oh yeah, I know well, Chucky. Chucky Schumer decides every day to say this. In other words, what did he say yesterday? And it's the 31st of May, and President Trump still doesn't have a clear policy. You know. And I'll go always get on there and, um, you know, it's the 31st of May and you're still a traitor. <clears throat> you, know? <laughs> so. you know, it's it's getting to the point where part of part of what's going on. And Peter mentions this is that there's this is a time of a separation from wheat and tares, sheep and goats. Right. So we're beginning to start to see tear goats, what I call them, or swamp people. Uh, tear goats live in a swamp because they're swamp people. So we're seeing more and more. So I think there is a way that we are able to call them out, even make mockery, even be a little bit uh, um, taunting with them when we know that that's what it is. Chris Wallace is a perfect example of a tear goat. Um, you know, when you look at the book of Jude, we realize that there are people that are not human beings in our midst, looking just like us, acting yes. just like us, yeah. leading and steering mankind to a one-world government, one-world religion, one-world um, um, economic so, system. Certainly, and, have crept unaware, twice dead, plucked, either, plucked up by the roots, clouds without water. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, this is our reality. We are here. This is what's now. So some of these people aren't even human beings. They look like us, but they're not of us. They are fallen. Well, they're they're the ones that were destroyed in the flood. They've been brought back to a restoration in a body. This time the body looks just like you and me. It's right out of Isaiah 14th chapter. It's in my book. It's in many, many videos that I have. And, and others have now, you know, reproduced variations of the same concept and idea. But um, this is a reality, a supernatural reality dealing with the paranormal. But supernatural is the power that give, God gives us to overrule the paranormal. The paranormal is something that is supernatural that surrounds us. What right. surrounds us is the enemy. And we have to be empowered to match that and to match the enemy and overrule it. And so this is a battle, spiritual battle that's going on. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against the powers behind that flesh and blood. We're still dealing with the flesh and blood. Don't right. kid yourself on that. But they're puppets. Um, but they're yeah. puppets, exactly. Yeah. And they're, tooth, they're toothless tigers when you're walking in the power and authority of God. Right, right. And so you are here. Look at the little map in the mall. It's, you are here, but you actually belong over here. Right. <laughs> I, always, I always get a kick out of, um, you know, one of the things that the left is doing is it's causing us to watch these legislators more carefully. And I remember watching uh, probably about two or three months ago now, Chuck Schumer was getting ready to sit down and was actually talking to somebody that he thought was sitting in his seat. Um, now, there might have been a demonic character sitting in that seat or something like that, but he was basically telling somebody to get out of his chair. Now, this is a guy that's a lawmaker and a legislator. That's, that kind of worries me. Uh, then you got the, the likes of uh, Mrs. Pelosi, who looks like she's a... Um, a uh, poster child uh, for a new kind of or a need of a new kind of denture cream. Um, either that or she's got um, Parkinson's or she's got uh, EPS symptoms, symptoms from being on some kind of psychiatric medication or she's demon possessed. So um, I don't know what to think about that. But, you know, these are all people that are. Are, are lawmakers. I mean, one of them is the Speaker of the House, for goodness sakes. You know, she's uh, she's she's a wicked human being. And, uh, you know, you got a question. You just got a question. Either they're highly possessed or, or they're, um, totally they're chimera, chimera, you know. It's, yep. Well, I wonder, like, you know, just another person, you know, have you ever looked at, uh, you guys are familiar with Kenneth Copeland, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, when you yeah. look at Yeah, I know. Tell me that that is not a... Uh, a hybrid. Well, there's a reptilian in there. I'm sure of it. You know, I'll tell you. Like a, like he's a hide like, it. He's yeah. like a see it in the eyes. Yep. He's a sleeper agent, man. You know, I, I mean that he is. Whether he's human or not, I don't know. But he is like definitely a sleeper <laughs> agent. He's, he's worked he, himself into a position of authority of respect by many. But yeah. boy, the stuff that comes out of that guy's mouth is just unbelievable. Well, I Blasphemy. thought it was it. Interesting. He was he was speaking out against COVID nineteen, right? You know, blowing it away, whatever. Uh -huh. But he said in a speech, he called on the the powers of hell <laughs> to to get rid of COVID nineteen. Oh my goodness! <laughs> why why would you call on the powers of hell? <laughs> well, for COVID nineteen, if you serve I, them, you can call on them, I guess, huh? I you know it probably could. 
Yeah. He probably has that authority. I don't know. But it's just like, how do you have $4 billion? How are, how are, how do you have this many sheeple sitting in your congregation eating this up? Yeah. How can you, that many people be that deceived? My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. They don't know the Bible, so they don't know what's right and what's wrong. When he, one of his doctrines that kind of took on uh, to a certain aspect of Pentecostal Christianity, he taught, he taught this, and of all things, an organization that I highly respect, IHOP, um, it, it, for, for some of the bad doctrine that had snuck in there, IHOP really produced a lot of good strong Christians, that millennial Christians. So I, I can't come against the fruit that has been born from that. But um, he taught that when Christ died, he went to hell and was tormented in hell. Yeah, you remember that. That is the sickest, twisted. Are you kidding? He, he went first three days in the upper chamber. Then when he went into the lower chamber, he made an open show and humiliation to those angels that sinned back in Genesis 6. He says, you know what? I'm going to allow you to raise up to your own destruction that even your name won't be remembered. Right. That right. is about the worst. You, you know, you're going to be mustered up as an army to your total destruction. That is what he did when he went to hell. He didn't go there to be tormented. What? Where? You goofball kicked in the head. Where in the heck did you get that an idea like that? How could any born-again man of God conceive that kind of a twisted distortion well, I think he of just reality. answered it. Maybe he's not a born-again man of God. <laughs> well, yeah, I kind of think not. Well, yeah. who, was his, who was his predecessor, Kenneth Copeland? What was his name again? Um, well, he was uh, with Kenneth Hagen. No, it was someone else. I'll, I'll find it. Give me a second. And, Go ahead. Keep and he it. had this you know, laughing and, and some of the stuff that Kind of, hey, I, uh, there's a mixed bag there, and I want to be careful and respectful because I do think he was a – Kenneth Hagin was definitely a, a Christian. I think some of his stuff was a bit extreme, but he's still a brother in the Lord, and I don't want to come against him. He's produced a lot of good fruit in, in some of his uh, ministry. But uh, Kenneth Copeland, no. How can you say something like that and possibly be – it's just insanity. It's just crazy. It's so unscriptural. It's so demonic. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, so, it's no different than some of these churches that preach um, replacement theology, you know? That's another demonic um, doctrine, you know? And um, <clears throat> I don't know. There's We could get into the whole Bethel Church stuff and the grave sucking and uh, everything else, too. But um, the main thing is that um, they mix in a good deal of truth with um, a little bit of lie. And after a while, the people start believing it, and then they start mixing in more of a lie and more of a lie and more of a lie until it's more lie than good stuff. And it's a slippery slope. The it's the boiled yeah. frog thing. Yep, you know? it's a slippery slope. You start, and then the next thing you know, you're, you're too far gone. I, I think, you know, even newcasters, newscasters and, and fake news, now, because of the, um, the popularity of the King's Kids, when I had founded one of the first Christian bike ministries in the Detroit area, um, we got to a point where we were kind of almost blown out of proportion, made to look like, you know, superheroes or something. And it was, I felt uncomfortable with it, but I got to know some of the press, especially in channel seven. Um, that would be ABC news. I knew these people. I liked them. 
they were good. You know, uh, we're talking in the seventies. They were people of integrity. I, I, I liked them. I, um, and I see them now and I see now that where they're at, they're, my gosh, do you know that, that ABC and, and, uh, NBC, they now have their own fact checked. Fake yeah, news is having their own fact checkers. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, boy. I, yeah, okay. So you're faking to begin with in the first place, and now you're going to determine what's real and what's not. So anything that's real, you're going to say is bad, and everything that's not real. I mean, it's a sad commentary, but they were on a slippery slope. There was an Operation um, Mockingbird, and my uncle is the one that kind of turned me on to the understanding of that. Operation Mockingbird was a program to make sure that there was continuity in the news. And so all your major news broadcasters, whether it be cable or um, regular, um, regular, you know, network news broadcasts, ABC, NBC, CBS, um, you know, these stations and CNN, they all have the same scripted announcement. Yeah. yeah. So you can see that they say word for word the same kind of thing. They've done this so long. It's been a slippery slope. Now they don't even question anything about it. Now, even if they do see the inconsistencies in it, they realize if they say anything, they've got now a wife and, you know, um, uh, three kids with 10 grandchildren. All of that could come to an end. So they have to just, you know what I'm saying? They end up having to compromise in order to protect their own families and loved ones and whatever. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just a, it's a horrible snare that people have fallen into. I, I, you know, and it blows my mind because there's some newscasters there. I really like these people. They're, they're, they're good people, but they've been seduced. Well, yeah, but you know what? When you were talking about back then, they were honest. They're, well, you look at the tear. It, when it starts growing with the young wheat, it looks just like the wheat. But as it matures, it starts to develop its own characteristics. And when it gets older, it looks nothing like the wheat. And that's when it gets plucked out. So that same thing can be said for, you know, for, you know, those reporters looking um, bona fide and everything in the beginning. And then at the end being, um, you know, being a total different creature than they were before. You know, yeah, the family thing does play in and I can see that and I, I can understand that very well. But it, and it probably applies to most of them. But I think some of them are just flat out uh, um, evil. You know, and, well, uh, I I think in this reset, though, this is where there's going to be no more gray shaded area for people to hide their complacency and differences or whatever. You're either going to be in one camp or the other, nothing in between. Exactly. That's a that can be a blessing. So when that happens, now we know who the tears are. Like you were saying, you know how they grow together and look the same, except when when they top out. The seeds are totally different. You can tell right away who isn't, who isn't. And this is the time that we're going through right now. And so in all of the weirdness, things that we hadn't anticipated, we didn't see coming, we didn't think it was going to be this way, we have to go with it. We have to go with it knowing God's in control of his plan. This is a separation of wheat and tares. And when we find out that something is a tear and we have it confirmed by the Lord, then we got to speak it out and let him know. Let everybody else know. This is yeah. a tear. Don't follow. Don't believe anything he says. But having the discernment of knowing who is and who isn't, because we're going to see people that we thought were tares all of their lives, and all of a sudden they're going to turn around and they're going to be a wheat mm -hmm. because they were deceived. So 
we have to be open for both sides. Yep. And as long as we're having a relationship with Jesus and not a religion with Jesus, we're going to have the discernment to understand the one between the other. And this is where, even in all of it, there's always going to be, uh, especially with with um, tears that are now weak, we have that mercy, that um grace upon them but once we understand that someone is a terror especially when we realize that maybe they're not human we need to call them out and expose them for who they are and we who are of the prophetic gift we who are of the discernment now you can't have prophetic gifts without having discernment you've got to have discernment that goes right along hand yeah, in hand that's right um and that and that is centered yeah. on your ability to not play games with God. If you want the truth, no matter what it is, you're willing to set aside predisposed ideas, concepts, yourself, and let God do through you what you can't do yourself. If you're that way with yourself and you don't play games with them, oh, well, Lord, that's not really that big of a, you know, I can, you know, you're still using me, so I don't have to deal with that. No, you have to. You have no other choice. You have to. If you have that attitude, then you know what? God can broaden your borders. Then because you're real with God and he's real to you, he can trust you. Now he can give you the bigger picture. But some people want to see the bigger picture, be the bigger picture, and you're still struggling with your own personal things. How can God possibly give you the bigger picture? You don't have it. And you're going to be exposed for being a buffoon, for being a a, a baby Christian that's, you know, overstepping God um, or a religious person that just didn't get it from the head to the heart. Right. Um, and that's what it's got to be. But all of this is going to become clear. So people that can't be flexible or adjustable to knowing God's plan, and you're going to get all ticked off or uh, upset or scared. My God, the world is going to try to make this pandemic never end. Our new normal is going to be that we're going to wear a mask for our entire stupid life. And, and we're going to be forced to uh, be limited a six foot distance, you know, for everything. You know, the other day I was uh, driving down the highway and I, I, you know, we were all going 80. And I kept six feet apart from the car. Above me. I don't know why the cop got upset. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was six foot away, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm projecting a joke of what it might be 10, right. or 10 years down the road. I mean, come on. Oh, please. Good Lordy. No, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, two weeks, two weeks and of 80 degree weather. And this dies out on its own. Trump knows that he absolutely knows it. I know that this is the way it's going to be, whether, you know, um, no matter what caused it or how it caused it's going to die on its own, and that's it. Now, some people will say, well, wait a minute. What about in Brazil? I mean, Brazil, it's, you know, it's hot, and it's, like, tropical. No, it's wait a minute. almost winter in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's, yeah. The it's a that's season what, of the humidity level, it doesn't, regardless what, of the temp. That's not what the news is clarifying. I think if you mention the name Brazil, what do you think? Rainforest, hot, heat, right. tropical. But the thing is... Rio, uh, Rio de Janeiro, and what was the other one? San something San or other, Paolo. I can't remember. San Paulo. San Paulo. Yeah. They are in the lowest part of Brazil. They're on the opposite side of the equator. They are in their winter. The average temperature uh, during a day is maybe 60, and it gets down to the low 50s. You know, corona, uh, COVID-19 likes that kind of atmosphere, likes that kind of environment. It can grow and be happy and, and move and do whatever it wants to. 
Yeah. But you're looking like uh, a lot of my friends in Australia, you're telling me this is all make believe, isn't it? Nobody's dying. We got five people and there's still five and nobody's, you know, why? Look at Australia. It's a big giant desert. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, Um, um, I want to just kind of real quick, um, I, I don't know if I posted it or one of you posted it, but you were we posted about a um, you know in our little three little person por- format that we have um, about a, a gravitational or magnetic anomaly down in um, oh my gosh Hemisphere. yeah man did you, didn't you post that I yeah I, I did, did but you did that's oh, right. you but did, did you really oh, you, if you look at those two places um, the one in South America is exactly right on the mark where the sea just retreated remember for hours or maybe a day at a time and where they had waves over in South Africa, that's the other part of the anomaly right there. So that answers that right there. It you know does. What I'm yeah. Well, it's like we're ready for a full 180 flip uh, of our, you know, uh, magnetism. That's right. Got to open uh, that, wow. open that key. Are you, and you know, to me, isn't that what David Wilkinson said? Turning it upside down. Right. And it's, you know, we're here. This is the apocalypse, folks. This is, you know, it wasn't going to be a cakewalk in the park, uh, cakewalk. I mean, it's going to be difficult. Um, our dependency has to be on the Lord on a yeah. day-by-day relationship, man. We don't know everything. We're not going to know everything. We're going to have to have the adaptability and adjustment led by the Holy Spirit of God. We are going to be brought into a place eventually where we're going to clearly see one camp or the other. There's going to be nothing in between. That actually is going to be, isn't that going to be a good time? Really? We think think about it. Yeah. Because then you got clarity. Yeah. Yeah. Right now you don't know who to trust. (laughs) I know. This is the worst. Uh huh. You know, yeah, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry, Eric. Go for it. You know where to stand. You know who's standing against you, you know. Right. Exactly. Right. Know who the enemy is. You don't, you know, look, they're not hiding in shadows anymore because there's no ha- shadows to hide in. Right. So, you know, yeah. we, um, we had a detractor come onto our YouTube site. Her name was Linda W. And I'm not afraid to say her name because she made herself public in the, in the, uh, you know, in the, um, YouTube channel. But, uh, she, man, I'm telling you, it has to be a fundamentalist, first of all. Sure. Uh, she doesn't believe that prophets are, um, she believes that in the word of God, sola scripture, what is it, sola scripture? Sola scriptura. Yeah, yeah right. Now, and I believe in that, too, that, you know, the Bible is a sole authority and everything. But um, at the same time, uh, and I'm going to I'm, I'm kind of giving you your format, Linda, if you're listening. Um, you know, several uh, disem, uh, what's that, disambuities or something like that. I can't remember the word right now. Um, first of all. Uh, Paul said, um, basically, when he's giving out the offices of the church, the first two were, what were they, Jim? There was prophet. Was that, uh, yeah, first prophet, then apostle. Right, okay, prophet and apostle. So prophet's, prophet's the first one. So Paul said there would be prophets in the in the uh, last day's church, and the last day started with the death of Jesus, and they'll go right till the last day. Yep. Um, and then... Um, in Isaiah, no, uh, yes, Isaiah, I think chapter 47, where he says that in the last days that the young men will see vision and the old men will dream dreams. Those are prophetic things. So was Isaiah a false prophet? Was false, Paul a false teacher? No. 
Um, so go deal with that. You know, if you can answer those questions, then that's, that's wonderful. But at the same time, you know, when, when you have an argument with somebody, uh, I think it's far better that you, you, first of all, you contact them privately. You don't contact them in a, in a public forum. Um, if you think that somebody's erring, that's what Matthew 18 says to do. Contact them one-on-one privately. It says, go to your brother, you know, and that doesn't mean in an open air market. It means in his house or whatever. And then if he doesn't listen, then you go to a different format. You know, you go, you take two or three with you and then, you know, you follow Matthew 18 process. But when you call out somebody in a public forum format like that, there's a problem there. And I'm almost, I'm almost wondering if uh, we're seeing a resurgence of Paradox Brown um, under a different name. <laughs> because no, the, that, the, writing, be a... the writing style yeah. is, is quite the same. Uh, the criticisms are quite the same. Unless it's just a mocking spirit that, you know, it, it just has the well, same. Well, the lack of logic is the same, too. How can you be enamored by my um, connections that I've made to Genesis 6 paradigm, to some of the things going on, CERN, how I, you know, figured out with the bottomless pit, and, and all these other things that she said is are fantastic that I put all these things together. Right. Not that I have a demon spirit, that I don't even know the voice of God because uh, it's a demon telling me these other things um, right. that right. she disagrees with, but yet I can, you can't have both girl. Right. I, if somebody is so given over that they don't even know when God's talking to them, when, when, when the devil's talking to them, how can you trust anything that they say? You can't trust anything you say. They say. So how can you like one part and not the other? That's just illogical. That doesn't make any kind of sense on this planet whatsoever. So you know what, Dave? I never thought of it, but that could be the resurgence of Paradox Brown. Yep. Wow. And you know what? I um, The uh, same paradox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? But um, I, don't, I don't know. I just uh, – I have a problem with people when they do that. You know, I – I've learned, you know, when I was younger and in a more immature Christian, I did stuff like that. And then I learned it wasn't the right thing to do. And I quit doing it. And I started approaching people privately unless they unless they were um, making a gross error um, and, and putting it out in public and endangering other people by what they were saying. Then that has to be called out. But um, one of the things, Jim, that I know that you do, and because I've known you for a bunch of years and I've read everything you've written is that if there's something that sounds a little ambiguous or hard to swallow for other people, you always present it in a what-if kind of format. Not right. as, not right. as a what uh, saith the Lord, not as a this is the cold hard fact, but a what-if. And again, this person took a what-if and they made it sound like you were teaching heresy. Right. And, you know, yeah. and I'm sorry, but, you know, even if you weren't my brother, or even if I just met you yesterday, I would stick up for you in that because that that is the kind of person that that is, is hell bent. And, and I mean hell bent because it's it's a tool of hell, the, the, the tools that they use, but it's hell bent on destroying somebody. You know, you can't like you said, you can't. In other words, what she was trying to do is she's trying to sweeten up what she says with a little bit of honey before she 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 thrust the dagger in your heart, <laughs> you know. Here, drink this; well, it'll taste good, and then, uh, yeah. you know, you get it in the heart. Um, so, no, that doesn't wash. It doesn't fly. We're going to call on it out every time. We've always called out that kind of stuff. And like I said, you can argue all you want that you know I've 
I brought this to light. You don't like it, but if you're going to post in a public format and use your name, if that is your real name, paradox, um, you know, then I'm going to use your name in a public format, too, because you've given me license by doing it. Um, so anyway, you know, if you're going to try to contact us, folks, you don't like something we said, you have a problem with it, write privately. Our, our emails are on, on the Opposing the Matrix uh, website. They're on uh, the Opposing the Matrix, um, Matrix uh, uh, we call it, uh, Facebook page. Um, and if the phone numbers aren't there, then the, the email addresses are, you know, um, do things the right way, please. You know, that's what we would do to you if we thought that you were in error, uh, unless you were endangering the lives of young Christians or something like that by by causing them to go to a, a different gospel or something. Then then we got to act right out, right out like Paul did. Uh, I remember Paul saying, uh, be careful of Alexander the coppersmith. He did me. He did me great harm. May the Lord pay him back for what he's done, you know. But um, and and people for the last two thousand years have known that Alexander the coppersmith is not a good thing to call somebody. Uh, anyway, uh, so you know, man up, or if you're a woman, woman up, and you know, and do the right thing. Don't act out of your emotions. But, you know, I, I had a guy accuse me one time. He says, "Well, you're just getting yourself off the hook. You're you're pretty slick. You're pretty smart. You just." You say it that way so you can get yourself off the hook. And I said, yeah, yeah, you're darn right. Uh -huh. <laughs> I said, I, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not going to teach this as an absolute. This is, you know, thus saith the Lord. I have enough confidence in the Lord that if I'm right, he's going to back me up. Right. If I'm if I could be wrong. And I am a human, so I could be wrong, maybe not in all, but in part or, or whatever. I'm a filter. And my relationship with the Lord depends on how accurate that filter is going to be. So <clears throat> I am getting myself off the hook. I'm presenting this as a possibility. What if? So this is something to consider. Now, I'm not going to say this is God told me this. you got to follow this. I'm not that stupid. I want myself off the hook. I do not want to be liable for misleading anyone anywhere, anytime, any place. So I have enough confidence in what God has told me. I don't need to hard sell it. I don't need to prove it. All I need is to plant the seed. If it's something that God has said, he's going to grow it. It's going to mean life to other people. If it's not, hey, you know what? I'm just a human being. I'm trying to do the best I can with what I have. I'm not going to get perfect. So I've left myself an out to gracefully apologize and say, you know, I, you know, this was wrong. And I'm off the hook because I didn't demand anything from anyone. Right. I just asked somebody to consider it. So, yeah, I want to be off the hook. I remember that part in, in Revelation where it says anybody adds under these things, well, these plagues will be added. Anybody takes away, you'll be. You know what? I kind of take that serious with anything and everything to do with word of God. He probably holds it to the same standard. So we have to be careful in how we present what we present. Right. Right. And, you know, if you go out and accuse somebody like that in the public, to me, it's no different than going out in a, to a crowd of Antifa and turning over cars and burning buildings. You know, no, but the, go ahead. the problem with with Facebook, though, they have their own protocol. They have their own um, procedure, which is totally anti-Christian, totally anti everything that you and I would know as far as social discourse. And if these are younger people that don't come from the world that we came from, Dave. Mm -hmm. They have no understanding of that. Right. This right. is all they know. So a lot of times it's just out of their ignorance. It's not even that they're, you know, they're not 
they're not being stupid or ignorant or, or maybe divisive. They just don't know any better because they've never been taught any better. They're a pro they're a product of modern um uh core what it was that that called it the way they teach uh Oh yeah, um yeah, core. Common common core. Common, common core, core yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh yeah. Just throw logic out of the way and just, you know, it's just uh it's sad. It's so they're almost, you know, so some of them can be a victim of just not knowing any better because they never knew the world we lived in. They've got Facebook has a protocol which is so opposite from God. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. They make it public. They don't have these considerations because they don't understand the considerations. It's not part of the Facebook protocol. Right. So it's, oh, Zuckerberg, I'll tell you. Uh, uh, he's not He's not Zuckerberg. He's Zuckerberg. Yeah. He thinks he's a big player when he's just a puppet for the new world order and a chump that's sold out. Right. And I don't, I, I really think that he's about half clueless to what he's actually doing. Yeah. So hey, maybe uh, there's a hope for Zucky, here, if you're out there somewhere. Here's another uh, little thing to chew on. Um, um, I was doing a little research about the 1917 flu epidemic and found out that in Fort Riley, Kansas, um, back during that time, just before we were getting ready to send soldiers over to Europe, they were conducting an experiment um, with uh, meningococcal bacteria and injecting the soldiers with it. And they were, what they were trying to do is build up an immunity. But what you got to do with it, uh, it's kind of like the hepatitis B vaccine. You get one and then late, later on you get another shot and third, you get a third one and then you're fully covered. If you don't do that, then you're not fully covered. But with the meningococcal thing, if you don't get all three, you're carrying the meningococcal bacteria. And uh, anyway, I'm not going to go very much more into that, except to say that the person that was doing these experiments was, I think he was a lieutenant at the time, um, Frederick L. Gates. Um, oh no! <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make a, I'm trying to make a, or find a connection between him and Billy Boy. I haven't found it yet. Uh, but I find it awful interesting that, you know, you got a guy that was trying to inoculate people back in during World War One, um, and it turned out to be a disaster. And you got a guy in, in 2020 that's trying to get a vaccine that's going to turn into a disaster, too. And they're both last name is Gates. <laughs> Boy, that would be an interesting one to do some research on. Oh, I've got the paperwork. I'm reading. Well, you right had that now. one. You had that one picture. What is it? Uh, Bill Gates. Um Barry and uh, Mike. Oh yeah, with uh, with Barack Obama and Michael Robinson. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, the, the future uh, yeah, Michelle well, Obama. Michelle yeah. Obama, Michael, Michael Obama. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, now I saw something about um, Melinda Gates. Oh yeah, actually, actually being Robin Williams. I don't know, guys. <laughs> I, saw that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I don't know. I, it's Walt well, Disney was about. Adolf Hitler too. It's like, uh, yeah. No, I don't know. Uh, like I you said, just, there's you a, just don't know anymore, guys. You yeah, just don't a, know anymore. In the world of Photoshop, a, it's hard to tell anything anymore. You really have to have a series yeah, of things to compare it against, you know. Yeah. But, there's uh, so much dirt in the dumpster, man. It's you know, there doesn't mean that there's not a nugget in the dumpster. It just means that there's a lot of dirt you got to get through to find it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
Oh, and that's what reset is all about. It's going to be clarity. This this is going to end all of this. We're going to be in one camp or the other. This is going to be a happy time, man. Whether it's a sad time or not, it's still going to be happy. You're going to be in one camp or the other. Now we know where what's the enemy and what's not the enemy. Right. I mean, right. Uh, that was why. <laughs> Looney Tunes. Hey, 11.38 pumpkin time. Uh, I was just going to say that. I was looking for the picture to post it, and I couldn't find yep. it. Yep. <laughs> okay, fellas. Well, it's been a pleasure as usual. I think we got a lot done, and we uh, were able to disseminate a lot of information and give people a lot of brain food to think about. Yeah. And, and I, I hope, hope. We've, we've given them hope that, you know, that, okay, unexpected things are going to happen, but it doesn't mean that we have to be lost in it know god's plan have confidence god's in control we're studying the effects of losers they don't win we do yeah. you're putting your hope in christ it's not, you need to be afraid you need to be concerned but your only answer to all of this is in jesus christ in a relationship not a religion right and it's not the end of the world until the world ends and we know that when that's going to happen and we know the things that are leading up to that and you believe me you're going to know when the world's going to end um oh yeah so don't think that just because this is happening it's it's the end of the world it's uh it things are going to change probably a little bit but everything's going to be okay and uh and then uh you know, we'll, we'll just wait for the next thing that they do to try to discredit Trump and Trump and ruin the uh, the election so Anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, have hope. And if you don't know Jesus, boy, I hope you come to know him because he's the only way anybody's going to get through all this Amen. Uh, w- with a sane mind. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to meet any of you at work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> with that, folks, have a great week. And uh, until we meet you again next Wednesday, uh, be blessed in Jesus name. God bless everybody. God bless. Good night.